Today is Mother's Day, and if you have your mother with you, um, let her know that you love her, that you appreciate her, all right? I'm glad we have days like this uh, that uh, can remind us and help us, and we always ought to be thankful for uh, the blessings of the Lord uh, when we have them, and um, and so make sure uh, that if your mother is still living, she's with you, make sure you honor her today. And um, I would say today is Mother's Day, that's great, but it's also the Lord's Day, amen? And we need to honor the Lord, and I don't always preach messages simply because it's Mother's Day or Father's Day or whatever. I don't preach messages necessarily because of those days, and, and I'm not going to today, but I want to just make sure to remind you, if you haven't thought of it already, uh, tell your mother a happy Mother's Day and that you love her, okay? All right, take your Bibles and turn to Matthew chapter 11. Matthew chapter 11. And we'll get to our text verses here in just a moment. Let me say thank you to all of you men who filled in for me while I was gone. I appreciate that very much. appreciate that I can uh, be able to, to go away and preach in different places and uh, not worry about um, the church and that uh, you'll be fed. And so I appreciate you, all of you men, uh, for that and, and also you folks for allowing us to go. But it is good to be home, and I couldn't wait to get home and to stand in my own pulpit. So um, not, not mine, but the Lord's. You understand what I mean. Um, so let's take our Bibles and look at Matthew chapter 11. And I want you to direct your attention to verse 1. You can follow along as I read. And it came to pass, when Jesus had made an end of commanding his twelve disciples, he departed thence to teach and to preach in their cities, now when John had heard in the prison the works of Christ, he sent two of his disciples and said unto him, Art thou he that should come, or do we look for another? Jesus answered and said unto them, Go and show John again those things which ye do hear and see. The blind receive their sight, and the lame walk, the lepers are cleansed, and the deaf hear, and the dead are raised up, and the poor have the gospel preached to them. And blessed is he, whosoever shall not be offended in me. We all have moments in our lives when we experience times of doubt and experience times of fear, per se. Uh, we've got uh, times in our life when we are maybe weak in our faith and and I, what we look in our, find in our passage here this morning is that John the Baptist had found himself in a spot where he was a bit discouraged, that he was a bit defeated. And John the Baptist's thinking was a bit clouded in this moment, which honestly would have been very unusual for a guy like him. John the Baptist seems like he was, you know, he was a fiery preacher. He was one who was very bold. He wasn't afraid of what people thought or what people think of him. And the Bible tells us that in verse 2, when John had heard in the prison the works of Christ, he had some, some doubt in his mind. And in verse 3, the Bible, he sent two of his disciples. And verse 3 says, 
And he said unto them, Art thou he that should come, or do we look for another? Now, this is not the same John the Baptist uh, that we see in other portions of Scripture. John the Baptist was very bold and very confident in who Jesus was. In this statement that he's making, are you the one that should come or do we look for another? It indicates for us that John was in a situation where his thinking was clouded, where his confidence was shaken, and he wasn't, he wasn't in his right mind. And like, like I said, that would be something unusual for a man like him. And we would ask the question even like, why was John in prison to begin with? Well, we know that John was in prison for preaching the truth. Mark chapter 6 and verse 18 tells us that John said to Herod, it's not lawful for you to have your brother's wife. And for that, he was put in prison for preaching the truth. He was bold to stand before a king and preach the truth. And yet here we find him in prison struggling with doubt and with fear. And I want to preach to you this morning on this subject, on this thought, because we all have moments in our life where our mind and our thinking isn't quite right, and we struggle with doubts, and we struggle with fears, and we struggle with, with faith. And I want to encourage you this morning from the Word of God and how Jesus dealt with John and what he said to him and how we can also find encouragement from the Word of God as well. So let's pray and then we'll begin, okay? Heavenly Father, I pray that you'd help us this morning with your Word and that you'd encourage us. And Father, that we would be honest with ourselves and we'd be honest with you. And, and Father, sometimes we put on a show, we put up a front, like, oh, nothing's wrong. But in reality, our heart is in turmoil and our mind is not thinking right. And so, Lord, I pray that you direct our attention back to the Word of God, where help comes from. Our help comes from the Lord, but it comes through your Word. And so, Lord, I pray that you would use it today to encourage God's people. And we do pray this morning for those that are not saved in this room, or that you'd even draw their hearts as we seek to lift up Jesus Christ, as you promised, if Jesus Christ is lifted up, that he would draw all men unto himself. And so, Lord, we pray for these things according to your will. In Jesus' name, amen. Look in verses 2 and 3 with me. And what we'll see in verses 2 and 3 is we're going to see the doubt of John. We're going to see what John doubted exactly. And then we're going to look at what John did uh, in these verses, okay? And then we'll move on to uh, our, the, the rest of these verses. But notice the doubt of John. In verse 2, the Bible says, Now when John had heard in the prison... The works of Christ, he sent two of his disciples and said unto him, Art thou he that should come, or do we look for another? What is it exactly that John was doubting here? So the question is the or the, the point is the doubt of John, but what exactly was John doubting here? Well, the statement that he makes here, Art thou he that should come, or do we look for another? Is it, it, it highlights for us the very thing that John was doubting in this moment. John had come to doubt the very person of Jesus Christ, exactly who he was. And again, this is the same John who was so bold in his preaching concerning Jesus. Now go to Matthew chapter 3 with me. You can keep your spot in Matthew 11. 
But look in Matthew chapter 3. In verse 11, this is John the Baptist speaking here, and he says, I indeed baptize you with water unto repentance, but he that cometh after me is mightier than I, whose shoes, la- whose shoes I am not worthy to bear. He shall baptize you with the Holy Ghost and with fire, whose fan is in his hand, and he will thoroughly purge his floor and gather his wheat into the garner, but he will burn up the chaff with unquenchable fire. Then cometh Jesus from Galilee to Jordan unto John to be baptized of him. But John forbade him, saying, I have need to be baptized of thee, and comest thou to me? And Jesus answering said unto him, Suffer it to be so now, for thus it becometh us to fulfill all righteousness. Then he suffered him. And Jesus, when he was baptized, went up straightway out of the water, and lo, the heavens were opened unto him, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and lighting upon him, and lo, a voice from heaven saying, This is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. And so here John says that the one who's coming after me, speaking of Jesus, I'm not worthy to bear his shoes. He is mightier than I. And, and he says, I don't need, uh, you don't need to be baptized of me. I need to be baptized of you. He's giving honor to Christ for who he is. And then he experienced this, a voice from heaven that said, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. There was no doubt in John's mind as to exactly who Jesus was, that he was the son of God. Now go over to John chapter 1. John chapter 1, in verse 27. He it is who coming after me is preferred before me, whose shoes latchet I am not worthy to unloose. These things were done in Bethbara, beyond Jordan, where John was baptizing. The next day, John seeth Jesus coming unto him, and saith, Behold! The Lamb of God, which taketh away the sin of the world. This is he of whom I said, after, he co- after me cometh a man which is preferred before me, for he was before me. He's speaking, of the, he's speaking of the eternality of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. And I knew him not, but that he should be made manifest to Israel. Therefore I am come baptizing with water. And John bare record, saying, I saw the Spirit descending from heaven like a dove, and it abode on him. And I knew him not, but he that sent me to baptize with water, the same said unto me, Upon whom thou shalt see the Spirit descending and remaining on him, the same is he which baptizeth with the Holy Ghost. And I saw and bare record that this is the Son of God. Notice his confidence. And again, the next day after John stood and two of his disciples and looking upon Jesus as he walked, he saith, behold, the Lamb of God. There was no question and no doubt in John's mind as to who Jesus Christ was. And yet when we get to our passage in Matthew chapter 11, the very thing that John is doubting here is the person of Jesus Christ. What a change, right? You following this? What a difference. 
The question that he asks is, art thou he that should come, or do we look for another? Wow. John must have been seriously in a place of discouragement, in a place of doubt. There was a time when there was no doubt in John's mind, but when he was thrown into prison, he began to doubt. And you know what that tells me? It tells me that John the Baptist was human. It tells me that he was a man who was subject to the same exact things that we go through. How many times are we so confident in the Lord and so much faith in the Lord and then other times the, the script is flipped and we're doubting God? Once John was removed from the sights and the sounds of the ministry of Jesus, his heart began to be clouded with doubts and with questions. He was human. That's what John doubted in the prison, the very person of Jesus Christ. But what did John do in the prison? When those doubts arose in John's heart, the Bible tells us that John did something. Now notice this, go back to Matthew chapter 11. And the Bible says at the end of verse 2, that he sent two of his disciples and said unto him, Art thou he that should come, or do we look for another? You know what John did in the middle of these doubts? He did the right thing. He turned to Jesus Christ for the answers. That's what John did. Instead of worrying continually, instead of constantly wondering, instead of listening to the, the thoughts in his own head and the doubts in his own heart, what he did was he turned to Jesus and he went to the right source for the answer. John turned his effort toward getting the answer from the Lord himself. And friend, that is always where help will be found in times of doubt in your life. From the Lord himself. Just a side note here, but why did John find himself locked in a prison of doubt? Well, I think there's a lot of maybe reasons that we could come up with, but there's just a couple that I want to highlight here because these are things that we are prone to as well. First of all, I think John found himself in a prison of doubt because of discouragement. Discouragement. John was a man who was used to his freedom. He was used to the wide open spaces of desert. He was a preacher who was bold. And he finds himself in a completely different situation in life. He finds himself locked away in a prison. He finds himself confined when he's used to something different. And this confinement was a situation that he really couldn't change. There's nothing he could do about it. And it caused him to entertain some doubts that probably normally wouldn't have entered into his mind. But let me say this to you. How many times have we found ourselves in the same spot? We find ourselves in a situation that we cannot change in life. We find ourselves with a problem that we can't seem to solve. We find ourselves in a prison, it seems, from which there seems no escape. And when that happens, we sometimes begin to doubt too. And we need to be aware of discouragement in life. Because discouragement can devastate your life. 
Discouragement can cause you to doubt everything that you know and everything that you believe. How many times have I seen this played out before where where there's a crisis in a person's life and that crisis causes them to even doubt their faith? Is it even real? What's the point of it all? And discouragement begins to completely defeat a person's life. John was probably discouraged. He had been used of God. He had performed miracles even. Uh, He had so boldly preached. He was doing what God wanted him to do even. And yet he finds himself in prison. You ever felt like that? Lord, I'm just doing what you want me to do. Lord, I'm just trying to be obedient to you. I'm just trying to please you. I'm just trying to be obedient. And all of this is happening. Why? And we can become discouraged. And it can cause us to doubt. Another reason why John might have found himself in this prison of doubt is because of disappointment from unrealized expectation. This is a big one. Disappointment from unrealized expectation. Maybe John imagined in his mind that Jesus would come and free him from prison. Maybe John thought that Jesus Christ would come and set him at liberty. He was so confident that he was the Messiah, that he was the Son of God. Maybe John envisioned a longer ministry for himself. What we know of John the Baptist's ministry, that it wasn't any more than, any, uh, than six months to a year long. It was very short. And here he is, a preacher uh, of, of, of the gospel. Repent uh, or perish, John preached. He was used of God in a very particular way. Maybe John envisioned a longer ministry for himself. And these expectations were not being realized. And again, we probably, we probably wouldn't admit this. But I think it's true many times when the Lord doesn't do what we think He should do, or He doesn't do the things that we ask Him for, there's a tendency for us to become disappointed with God. Have you ever entertained this thought? I'm observing somebody else's life, and God did this for so-and-so, and God blessed them with that, and I, I don't understand why God doesn't do this for me. This disappointment can lead us to doubt Him if we're not careful. And I want to make an application here, and I want you to hear me well. John found himself in a prison of discouragement because he was listening to his own doubts and his own fears inside of his head. I want you to to think about that. And I want that to sink in for a second. John found himself in a place of discouragement and doubt because he was listening to the doubts and the fears that were in his own head. When you listen to what you think or the thoughts that come through your mind, when we listen to what we feel, when we, when we, when we start listening to uh, the thoughts that come because of what we see, or, or we start listening to what our heart is telling us, listen, we're in trouble in that moment. 
We're in trouble because here's the truth of the matter. Our heart lies to us. Our brain lies to us. We can, have, we, can, we can have a culture that we are grown up in. We can have influences in our life that, that lead us in a certain direction, and it can cause us to feel things and think things that aren't true, and we start listening to all of those, and it brings discouragement in our life. It's not true. But we're listening to it. John was so confident before of who Jesus was, and now he's saying, are you, are you even the Christ, the one who should come? Or are we supposed to be looking for somebody else? Listen, you can't trust your eyes. You can't, you can't trust what you, what you think you see. We can't always trust what we think we see because here's the truth. We can't see it all. We don't know all that's actually there. We can't trust what we feel. Feelings are always fickle. Feelings change from moment to moment. And listen, we can't trust what we feel because we're called to walk by faith and not by what we feel. You can't trust your heart because our heart is a liar. John or Jeremiah 17, 9 tells us that, that our heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. We've got to come to the place where we simply trust the Lord and the promises of the Lord, especially when we cannot see or trace exactly what he is doing. And oftentimes during the trial of our life, we cannot see the big picture. We cannot see all that the Lord is wanting to do. We can't see all that the Lord is wanting to accomplish. All we see is what is right in front of us. And we cannot see the whole big picture of how God works all things together for good to them that love God. It looks like a monumental trial. It looks like trouble all around, and it can be frustrating. But we cannot see all that the Lord is doing, and so we've got to trust Him when we cannot trace what He's doing. We're not going to see all that God sees. We're not going to see all that the Lord is doing or that we think he should be doing. And listen, our problem is similar to John's. And that's the fact that we fail to see the big picture. Even in our trials, the Lord knows more than we'll ever know about that situation. He knows what he's doing in other people's hearts. He knows what he's wanting to accomplish in your heart. You don't get to see all of that. And so we've got to trust the promise. We've got to trust him or disillusionment will come. And listen, this is just a side note here too. But I'm glad that the Lord doesn't sugarcoat the lives of his saints in the word of God. You know what I'm saying? I'm thankful that he lets us see them as people. Warts and all. In fact, there are lots of instances in the Word of God where faithful servants of God were doubting. Like Abraham, for example, who left everything that he had known to follow God's will, to live as a pilgrim in a strange land. God had made him a promise. And yet, through you can trace it throughout Abraham's life. There were several times when Abraham doubted God's promise in a moment. 
And yet overall, he was not weak in faith. Overall, he trusted God. But there were particular times in his life where he wasn't trusting the promise of God. What about Elijah? Elijah, who stood alone on Mount Carmel and faced down a king and false gods and people and a nation. And he prayed down fire from heaven. And the very next thing that you see is that Elijah is running for his life and he crawls under a juniper tree and he says, God, just let me die. I'm glad the Lord doesn't sugarcoat that. That we can see faithful servants of the Lord as people. What about Thomas, one of the Lord's disciples? Thomas was one who, like Peter made some pretty bold statements. In John chapter 11, in verse 16, Thomas said, let us go with him that we will die also with him. And you know how Peter was. Peter was like, no, Lord, I'll, I'll die with you. And, and Thomas was the same. And yet, we find in John chapter 20 that Thomas said he wouldn't believe that Jesus had risen from the dead unless he could touch it and feel it, and see it with his eyes. Now, understand this. When doubts arise in our own hearts and fears, we're not alone. We're definitely not alone. In fact, we're in good company. But let me say this to you. Just because we're not alone, and just because we're in good company, is no excuse to let doubts and fears continue on in our life. That is not where God wants us to be. Those things have to be addressed. They've got to be eliminated, and they have to be eliminated to the, with the right source, going to the Lord Himself. Otherwise, we find ourselves in a weird funk. I understand. I know. And we find ourselves in a mood. And we find ourselves discouraged and defeated because we're not believing what is actually true. We're believing lies. And I'll ask the question before we move on this morning, have you ever found yourself in a prison of doubt? Maybe you're there now. Is Satan or the flesh attempting to turn your heart away from the Lord? The one who has promised you that he would never leave you nor forsake you. Maybe you're there this morning and you might be in this situation or you might have found yourself here. Let me encourage you to do what John did. Don't close the door to the Lord. In fact, run to him. Run to him. He's not afraid. He's not fearful. He doesn't doubt. He's more than willing to hear you, to answer you, to help you. You know what the Lord's challenge to us is? Go to Philippians chapter 4. Philippians chapter 4. Verse 6. Philippians 4, 6 says, be careful for nothing. What that means is don't be reckless. Don't, don't, he's not talking about being reckless. He's not talking about don't have any cares about things. No, he's saying don't be full of worry. Don't be full of care. Don't be distressed over anything. But in everything, 
by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving let your requests be made known unto God and the peace of God which passeth all understanding shall keep your hearts and minds through who Christ Jesus finally brethren whatsoever things are true whatsoever things are honest whatsoever things are just whatsoever things are pure Whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are of good report, if there be any virtue and if there be any praise, think on these things. Don't think on the things that your heart or your mind is telling you. Think on things that are true. And the Word of God says the peace of God, which passes understanding, is going to keep our heart and our mind through Christ. Now I'm going to be talking about this passage of Scripture more this afternoon and breaking it down some more. But that's the challenge of the Lord. Don't be full of care. Don't be full of worry. Run to the Lord in everything. Run to the Lord. Now go back to our text, and I want you to look at verses 4 through 6. So we saw the doubt of John, but I want you to notice the response of Jesus. In verse 4, the Bible says, Jesus answered and said unto them, Go and show John again those things which ye do hear and see. The blind receive their sight, the lame walk, the lepers are cleansed, and the deaf hear, and the dead are raised up, and the poor have the gospel preached unto them. Now notice in verse 4 how Jesus answered John. The question was, Art art thou he that should come, or do we look for another? So there's doubt, and there's a question. But notice how Jesus answers John. Jesus answered and said, Go and show John again those things which you do hear and see. When Jesus hears the disciples of John and their question, he doesn't send back a stinging rebuke to John He doesn't say, John, get it together, suck it up. He doesn't tell John that you're being silly. What he does is he hears the doubts that have gripped John's heart and he responds with grace and with patience and with love. I'm so thankful for this. Look at his response. He said, go and show John again the things that you hear and see. Jesus is willing to help John work through his problem. He's patient with him. He's kind to him, and he's willing to help him work through the problem. Most of the time in our situations, we would react maybe in anger or frustration, but Jesus reacted in love. You know what? I wish that we never doubted. I wish that Things were different with the human condition. But the fact is, sometimes we do. Because we're sinful people. We're imperfect. Have you ever found yourself in a place of defeat and a discouragement? Yeah, I'm sure we all have. And we talked about Elijah. Uh, But even in Elijah's case, you remember the grace and the patience of the Lord in dealing with him? I'm so thankful that God is gracious. Amen. But notice how how Jesus assured John. He said, go and show 
John again, those things which you do hear and see. What are those things? That the blind receive their sight. That the lame walk. That the lepers are cleansed. The deaf hear. The dead are raised up. The poor have the gospel preached to them. Go tell John that this is stuff that only God can do. Go show him again and remind him that nobody can do this but God. You don't have a reason to doubt. And honestly, Jesus was actually pointing John simply back to the Word of God. That's what he was doing. Jesus reported all the things that he was doing, and what he was simply saying was, hey, John, the Scriptures talked about me. The Scriptures said that the Messiah would do all of these things. And John, I'm doing it. I am fulfilling what the Scripture said about the Messiah. Look at Isaiah chapter 61. Isaiah chapter 61. Look at verse 1. The Bible says, The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me, because the Lord hath anointed me to preach good tidings unto the meek. He hath sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, and the opening of the prison to them that are bound, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord, and the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all that mourn. The Messiah, he sent to, what? To preach the good tidings unto the meek, to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives. In Isaiah chapter 35, I'll just read it for you. But Isaiah 35 in verse 3 says, Strengthen ye the weak hands and confirm the feeble knees. Say to them that are of a fearful heart, Be strong, fear not. Behold, your God will come with vengeance, even God with a recompense. He will come and save you. Then the eyes of the blind shall be opened, and the ears of the deaf shall be stopped. Then shall the lame man leap as in heart, and the tongue of the dumb sing. For in the wilderness shall waters break out, and streams in the desert. All of this is talking about what the Messiah would do. All of this was talking about the one who was chosen of God, the things that he would fulfill. And Jesus says to, to his disciples, go back and show John again the things that you hear in the sea, how the deaf are made to hear, how the lame are made to walk, how the lepers are cleansed, and there's good news that's being preached. John, I'm fulfilling everything that the scriptures said about the Messiah. In other words, we could make the point that Jesus is saying, John, go back and read your Bible and look at what the word of God says concerning me. And I'm doing all of those things. You have no reason to doubt. And here's the application for you and for me. Friend, the Bible is the absolute cure for our doubts. It's the absolute cure for our doubts. When we find our, our, ourselves in, in discouragement, we find ourselves in a place of fear or fretting, stop listening 
to what our heart and our mind is saying and get back to the promise of the Word of God, the things that God promises us. God doesn't want us staying in those places of defeat and discouragement or in a funk. No, the Lord doesn't want us there. If we can read the Word of God and we can, by faith, take on what the Lord is telling us, listen, He is, He has, He will do all that He has promised. He will stand by His Word. Listen, when everything is falling apart around us, all of it's falling apart before our eyes, the Word of God stands sure. This is the balm for the soul. And usually, when people are just in a situation where they just can't break free, more than likely, it's because they're not in this book. They're not. We can count on the Word of God. He'll stand by it. Let's look at just a few passages of Scripture before we finish up. Go to Psalm 138. Psalm 138. Verse 2, I will worship toward thy holy temple and praise thy name for thy loving kindness and for thy truth. For thou hast magnified thy word above all thy name. What a powerful statement concerning how God views his word. He's magnified his word above his name. The Lord's going to stand by his word. Amen. Look at Matthew chapter 5. Matthew chapter 5 and verse 18. Jesus says, Verily I say unto you, till heaven and earth pass, one jot or one tittle shall in no wise pass from the law, till all be fulfilled. That includes the promises that God has given. He's going to stand by His word. Everything. That, well, there's several passages we could look at. But everything that God has promised, He's going to do. And so, what I'm simply saying is let the Bible put our doubts to death. Bring our questions to the Lord. Lay them against the Word of God. You know how you have questions even about yourself? You have questions about, like, am I worth anything? Am I valuable? What is my purpose? What is my point? What's going on in, all of the, in the world and all of these things? Listen, take those things to the Lord. Lay it against the Word of God and watch God give you peace in your heart. John went to Jesus. He did the right thing. Jesus responded in love. Jesus pointed him back to what the truth was, to the Word of God. And then lastly and, and quickly in Matthew 11, look at verse 6. Here we find how Jesus admonished John. Verse 6 says, And blessed is he whosoever shall not be offended in me. This is the same admonition that Jesus gave to Thomas when he questioned the resurrection. Look at John chapter 20. Real quick here, John 20. In verse 27. Then saith he to Thomas, Reach hither thy finger, and behold my hands, and reach hither thy hand, and thrust it into my side, and be not faithless, but believing. And Thomas answered and said unto him, 
my Lord and my God. Jesus saith unto him, Thomas, because thou hast seen, thou hast believed. Blessed are they who have not seen and yet have believed. The Lord wants, in this situation in our text, wanted John to know that John didn't have to have all the answers. He wanted John to believe in spite of what he could not see. He wanted John's faith to be in Jesus in spite of what his eyes were telling him, in, in, in spite of what his heart might have been feeling or what his mind might have been thinking. He wanted John to believe in him and simply trust him by faith. This is the answer for us as well. In those times of doubt, what do we need to do? Well, we need to remember God's power. We need to look again at what God can do when you find yourself in the valley of doubt. Go back and recount the blessing of God. Go back and look at the, the times when the Lord proved himself miraculously, not only in your life, but in the lives of others. Remember God's power. And listen, when we doubt, what are we doing? What are we doing? We're putting God in a little box of expectation. That's what we're doing. As if God can't control this. As if God is not bigger than this. Whatever it is. We're putting God in our little box of expectation. And so when you don't know the way or when you're struggling, what do you got to do? You got to remember the who. It's the Lord. He's going to stand by His Word. He's always faithful. He'll never leave. He'll never forsake. Go back to the basics. That's what Jesus said to John. Go back. Show him again all the things that you see and that you hear. And fulfilling all that the Word of God says. So if you find yourself in a place of doubt, fear, discouragement, defeat... The answer is to run to the Lord. You say, well, I know that, Pastor. Do you? Do you really? The proof will be whether or not you stay in that place of doubt or whether you really get into God's Word and let God minister grace and peace to you. Because that's not where God wants us to stay. Amen? Amen. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, use your Word today to encourage your people. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's all stand.